You can now save 20% off every single time you get that rich, tasty CBD-infused coffee sent straight to your door with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. That's right. You pick out every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks for them to send the coffee straight to your door. You'll save 20% every time. You'll never have to worry about running out of coffee or having to run down to the store to get some new beans. They will send them straight to you. And plus, it'll have those benefits that you get from the CBD-infused coffee, help you with headaches, aches, pains, whatever's ailing you. Strava Craft Coffee is CBD-infused, and it is delicious. So check it out and subscribe and have it sent straight to your door. If you don't want to subscribe and you just want to try it for one the first time, use the code DNVR20, and you'll save 20% off your first order. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Check them out, msudenver.edu slash online. They've got 40-plus hybrid programs and 750 total classes. Wherever and however you're trying to further your education, MSU Denver is the place for you. And if you want to work a full-time job uh, while getting your education, MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as students at any other Colorado institution. They are the place to go, the place to be. So check them out, msudenver.edu slash online today. My boy, Ryan, what's going on, my friend? Is that a fresh haircut I see? It's not, um, but you know, that's just, that's just how I roll. You know, you gotta, you, you never know when it's just going to look like I have a fresh haircut. <laughs> well, you look sharp. Well, thank you. You know, uh, a little bit of a tough, uh, tough night last night for the Buffs, but we got a good look at our true freshman quarterback who everyone's been excited about and he was pretty awesome. So, you know, I, I, as soon as they didn't have Nate Landman, I was, uh, I was ready for what was to come. They don't. None of the other linebackers know how to fit the run. So you know, it was. It is. It is what it is. So the second half was kind of like a week seventeen in the NFL. You could say getting a it look at, uh, at the future. Yeah, actually, the whole game kind of felt like a week seventeen in the NFL, and um, it was certainly very important for Brennan Lewis to get out there, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, who does this mean a lot to for the Denver Broncos? Because, you know, there's an old adage in the NFL. You're always trying out for someone. You're always, you know, you got to put it on film for 31 other teams. Um, but you also sometimes have to put it on film for your own team. And I think there are some Broncos that need to put it on film this week. So, Zach, I want to start with this. Uh, I didn't prep you for this. But Uh-oh. I want to start with, with a ranking who does this game mean the absolute most to on the Denver Broncos? 
Mm, well, I think you have to start with the most important position on the Denver Broncos, and that is Drew Locke. Because, Ryan, we've seen him have the ups and downs. There's no doubt about that. Ending this season on an up would be huge. But also, on top of that, Ryan, he needs to continue to show at least some progress to end the season. So, right there, Drew Locke is number one. Boy, where, I mean... Do you go to the defensive side of the ball next and you look at guys who are on contracts? Well, I don't know. Um, I think that while Drew obviously is playing for the most here, because I think he could, I think he could play his way out of the job. Um, I don't think he has to play his way into the job, but a meltdowny, terrible performance in week 17 that leaves a bad taste in the mouth of everyone. I think, could put him in a tough position that he doesn't want to be in. Um, I think it would have to be pretty bad. But I think there's another player who just really, really needs this. Really needs this, and that's Jerry Judy. Um, He's not playing for a job or anything crazy like that, but he just needs to get off the schneid and just have a clean game and just, you know, he just needs a catch uh, because it felt like he dropped everything at the end of the last game. So, um, I think it's he probably doesn't rank number one. Uh, it's hard to not to to not rank Drew number one, but I really do think he's number two in terms of just needs it for himself, needs it for the fans, needs it for the coaching staff to just go out there and show like, okay, I worked on it this week. The yips are gone. Uh, you know, we can move on now. Yeah, and and I mean, Vic said that this could be a defining moment of his career. So right there, that makes it pretty important for him. But like you said, Ryan, he's not playing for a roster spot next year. But if he if he can rebound from this game, Vic's feeling good about him. And most importantly, because you and I talked about this a lot on Monday, Ryan, this is all mental for Jerry. If he can have a good mindset and and confirm to himself that he can play in the NFL this week, I think that'll do wonders for him this, these next few months. Yeah, and, and it's funny, um, just the narrative right now. I, I, I saw uh, one local media person saying, like, he, he's not a bust, but he's been a bust. And it's just like, no, he hasn't, um, in my opinion. Um, Ryan, he's he's had about a, a, as much of a rookie year as you can expect. The first, I believe, 10 games of the season, Ryan, Jerry Judy was on pace for 980 receiving yards on the season. There's no bust there. That's a fantastic season. And that's 10 games. I'm not, you know, picking up two games of the season and extrapolating that. No, that's 10 games. That's a good sample size. And it even seemed like he was quiet in those games. So that gives me the confidence of, holy cow, what can this guy do when he is being targeted 15 times like we saw this past week and he's not dropping the ball? And then these past six games, or I guess five games, Ryan, he has struggled a lot. Hit that rookie wall. He, I think he only has a, a 150 receiving yards or something like that. Uh, and so that that has been tough for him. Um, but a, a bust? Absolutely not. When over a 10-game stretch, you're averaging 900, or, or you 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 have a 900-yard season, that's not even close. Yeah, and, and and I was getting into this with people yesterday um, because, you know, I did the thing that, for some reason, Twitter really <laughs> hates this this year. Uh, I, I put out a, a, a clip from an article um, about Jerry Rice's career, 
Mm-hmm. And in the article, it points out, actually not in the clip that I tweeted, but earlier in the article, it points out that Jerry Rice, in his first 11 games as a rookie, had 10 drops, um, including the the 11th game, he had two drops and a fumble that cost the, the 49ers the game. Um, and it also says in there something along the lines of, he was the butt of every joke from the local sports columnists. Like, it's like word for word. Oh, and then it says in there that he uh, had like a mental, not a mental breakdown, but a crisis on the sidelines after one of the drops. It's like word for word what Jerry Judy is going through right now. Um, <laughs> he turned out okay, didn't he? Yes. And I obviously wasn't comparing Jerry Rice to Jerry Judy uh, and saying that Jerry Judy is going to become Jerry Rice now because he had those drops also like drops aren't going to somehow make you better. Um, but the point was dropping passes as a rookie does not make you a bust. You know who uh, a lot of people are saying the Broncos uh, should have taken instead of Jerry Judy. There's a few names, but one of the names is CD lamb. Well, CD lamb has eight drops. Jerry Judy has nine uh, rookie drops happen. Julio Jones dropped the ball when he was a rookie. Devontae Adams dropped the ball a bunch when he was a rookie. Cortland Sutton dropped the ball a bunch when he was a rookie. It just happens. And it it really, it really is a 0% an indication that a player is a bust. Um, you know, one of the big busts that people bring up a lot is Darius Hayward Bay, um, who had an insane drop rate. I believe as a rookie, he dropped 23% of his catchable passes, which is like, Mind-boggling. It's really hard to get your hands on accurate drop rate numbers. People keep referencing catch rate. Um, There was a Denver Post column that came out in which they they referenced catch rate, which just, like, is barely, barely a wide receiver stat. Uh, You know, Zach, if if you were a wide receiver uh, and you got targeted 100 times and every single time the quarterback spiked the ball at your feet, you would end up with a 0% catch rate. Uh, yeah, so, I, I think the catch rate is more, it, it's way more than just a wide receiver. It speaks to the chemistry between the wide receiver and the quarterback and, and, and not, not on the wide receiver. It's, it can be on the wide receiver, but there's way too many variables to take that stat and use it as, as if it's some sort of gospel on a wide receiver's catch ability to catch passes. Um, it's a, uh, it, it, it should be called like chemistry rate or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it totally is um, the chemistry between a receiver and a quarterback. And Drew obviously has a hand uh, in all those targets that aren't always connecting. And so does Jerry. So anyways. Um, really quick, Ryan. Well, I, I, I love that you've used multiple times in this that that Jerry and Drew have hands in this. You know, he has a hand in the catch rate. That, that's, that's just masterfully done. Maybe he needs two hands and two eyes in the catch <laughs> rate and, and it'll, it'll go up a little bit. Um, anyways, it's hard to get your hands on drop rate numbers. Uh-huh. But like I said, Darius, Darius, uh, Darius Hayward Bay was like insanely high. Um, and, and that's only just one of the reasons he was a bust. You know, that's the other thing is the point that I was really trying to make is drops on their own are in no way a predictor of a player's bus potential. Um, now, when you combine them with other things, let's say Jerry Judy was dropping the ball consistently and he was also struggling to separate. Well, now I'm terrified. Uh, you know, let's say Jerry Judy is, um, 
is dropping the ball a bunch and he's not running the full route tree. Well, now I'm a little bit concerned. Um, dropping the ball because, you know, if dropping the ball is the only thing that's stopping you from being a thousand yard receiver, it's really, really just not a predictor of, of who you're going to be moving forward. Um, and it's the easiest thing of all the things you're going to ask a receiver to do in the NFL. It's the easiest thing to fix. So, well, I do think this is important for him mentally. This is not some sort of, you know, if he doesn't have a good game, he's a bust or he's a bust right now. And he has to play his way out of being a bust. Right, right. I, I, I totally, totally agree with that. Ryan, one guy that we know is not a bust and there's no debate to it, but I think this game is huge for is fighting for a contract from the Broncos. And this is on the opposite side of the ball. And this is Mr. Justin Simmons. Ryan, this is this is like a final date before uh, the guy decides if he's going to propose or not. If he's going to propose or walk away. I mean, th- this like is... Bachelor this, finale. Exactly. Which I haven't seen, by the way. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah, we, don't be popping those spoilers up in, in the comment section. And uh, th- this is how I think important this game could be because, Ryan, we know the Broncos really like Justin Simmons. Do they love him right now? You got to say no from what we've seen so far. Can Justin do anything to swoon John Elway to make sure that he falls in love with him so that he's getting that $15 million per year contract after this season? And I think for Justin to do that, he's got to have a game-changing game uh, this week. And if he does that, then John can convince himself these aren't just butterflies. This is love that I feel for Justin Simmons because Justin's had a few game-changing moments this year. Can he do that again this week? I think this game could be huge for Justin's future. Uh, Zach, my advice here is if you are going on a date with someone and hoping that they're going to blow you away so much (laughs) that you're going to fall in love with them and you're going to marry them uh, and you've been on, oh, I don't know, you know, uh, around um, 64 dates with them them before, I promise you, uh, you're making the wrong decision. Um, (laughs) Now, why you aren't in love with them, I don't know. That's, you know, sometimes it's just, it's just not there. Um, But they're not going to do something in that 64th date that they didn't already do in the first 63 dates. You know, the, uh, the old adage is when you know, you know, and the Broncos don't know, or they know, and the answer is that it's this isn't love. Um, I don't know why, you know. We've had this conversation before, but I think it's just they don't quite think he's elite. I have a hard time fully disagreeing with them on that. Uh, unfortunately, he's elite in so many other categories that you feel like they raise the boat up to the point where you say, yeah, you know, he deserves that kind of money. But I, I don't think there's anything that Justin Simmons can do in this game that he hasn't done in the first three, three and, you know, 15, 16th uh, of his career. And, uh, and so I have a hard time believing that's going to happen. So then what about with the other safety position, Kareem Jackson, there's a little team option after this season on Kareem. Is he playing for anything this game or is it just a foregone conclusion that he's back or could this game be a, all right, who's better Justin or Kareem? 
who's ever better in this game is coming back next year. I mean, wouldn't that just be great if Vic told us that today and we just knew that this was, uh, you know, two good friends that had to fight for a job? Yep. He's like, listen, each player gets a trip to the fantasy suites. And whatever <laughs> with happens. Who, with who, Vic or John? <laughs> I don't, uh, do not want to think about that. Um, let's see what Mace thinks. We got Mace in the back here. So let's see what he thinks. Mace. Do you think uh, um, Kareem Jackson has anything specific to play for this week? Oh, he's muted. muted. <laughs> His shirt's looking fly, though. His shirt does look great. I, I want that shirt specifically. We still don't have it. Oh, we have, the, we have the permanent mute right now. Uh-oh. Oh, no. It's not Maybe. a mute button. Maybe getting no. to screw this soon. <laughs> Allie, maybe you screw this. Screw this. Screw this. <laughs> it's got to be something with your mic, Mace. Maybe he really doesn't want to talk about safety play. Yeah, I mean, he's he doesn't feel safe about that. <laughs> um, for me, Zach, I don't think it's it's like that for Kareem Jackson. Um, and I don't they got to they got to bring one of them back, right? They can't start from scratch back there. Um, Kareem Jackson has played up to his contract, uh, and I think he's been worth it. Um, aside from uh, you know the unfortunate DUI which held him out at the end of last season, he's been an exemplary player for the Broncos. He's going to cost a lot less than Justin Simmons next year, and because of that, I think he's pretty safe. Yeah, and I agree with that. Uh, Ryan, I just had another one pop into my head. What about Melvin Gordon for a different reason than Melvin Gordon? Melvin Gordon is just over 100 yards away from a 1,000-yard season. And we know that there's you know some people saying Philip Lindsay may not be back next year, but I think this game could be big for Philip Lindsay. Does Melvin Gordon come out, and if he has a huge game, could the Broncos just say their value in Philip Lindsay is so different than what you and I think it is? And maybe it's not they just straight up let him walk, but maybe it's instead of that second round tender, which I think we all think he should get, they just do an original round tender and essentially let him walk because they say, look, Melvin Gordon's this fantastic player. Uh, we have him for another season. Maybe we have him for more seasons after this. And we know that, I mean, the Broncos really, really like Justin Simmons. I don't think you can say the Broncos really, really like Philip Lindsay. We certainly know they don't love him. Yeah, it's interesting just because you you know um, you can have Philip Lindsay for fairly cheap next year. Oh, I can hear Mace's mic already. Um, <laughs> oh, great! But, yeah, there he is. Um, I I guess Melvin Gordon is playing for a little something here. Um, I'm I'm starting to wonder like if the plan is not to bring back Philip Lindsay, which Good Lord, I'm not ready for the meltdown that's going to happen uh, if that's the case. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if, if the plan is to look to the draft um, uh, for, you know, the new running back. And and we've talked about it before. Like, there aren't too many places. On, it, it's weird to say this about a team that could be about to go 5-11. Yeah. But there aren't so many places on the roster where you're saying, like, oh, big hole here, big hole there. Got to work here. Got to replace that. Um, and I don't know. Obviously, some of that is the injuries. Some of that might be us overvaluing players and the organization also overvaluing players. Um, but there's just not that many places where you're like looking and saying, oh, man, they've got to go here early in the draft. 
one of those places that you might not be expecting and all of a sudden they could go there early in the draft would be running back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. I'd be shocked to see it in the first round, but Me second, too. third round running back, I do, do not think is is uh, without a question. And especially because they would say, okay, we got our guy in Melvin Gordon. Now let's bring this other guy in for a year to, to learn under him. And then he can really take off and be the guy after. And uh, nowhere in that conversation is Philip Lindsay's name. Now that doesn't mean they can't bring him back for $3 million to have three running backs, but if you're investing a second or third round pick along with $8 million in Melvin Gordon, it's not crazy to think that Philip Lindsay could have played his last game here. And again, I wouldn't do that, but just how we've seen the Broncos treat this running back position since Phil's been on the team, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Well, and you need three, you need money wherever you can find it, right? I mean, if you're trying to get Justin Simmons back, if you're presumably looking at a hedge quarterback uh, on the market, whether it's a, a veteran, a, a youngish veteran, or someone like an Andy Dalton, perhaps, uh, you need to create room somewhere with a cap that could be as low as 175 million. And they've got some, cho- they've got some decisions to make among Phil. Alexander Alexander Johnson and Tim Patrick. I mean, if you give second round tenders to each of those guys, that's three point three million a pop. Uh, what if they just decide, okay, Phil's going to have the original round tender, which for him is makes him undrafted. If they do that, he's as good as gone. Yeah, second See round. Phil. Yeah, the second round tender is the only thing that keeps him around. The second round tender is like the best deal in sports. Um, you're getting a player that you believe is worth a second round pick for $3 million. It's like, it's a, it should be a no brainer. Any single t- any time one of these guys is, is a legitimate contributor for you. Um, so to me, if the Broncos do this, it's more of a mutual parting of ways, um, where Phil is just saying like, I don't want to be back on the second round tenure. And, and, and they just say like, okay, that's fine. You can go. Um, I don't know if that's what's happening behind the scenes at all, but that's really the only way I could see that happening because if the Broncos just on their own are saying Philip Lindsay isn't worth $3 million, uh, one, they're completely out of their minds. Uh, but, but two, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like from a football standpoint to have a multi-time thousand yard rusher who went to the pro bowl potentially on a one year, $3 million contract. It's just, that's like, it's a no brainer. Yeah, and and then you know what something that would happen from that is I would say the Chiefs would pick him up, but with with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, they probably wouldn't. I mean, you'll probably see the Chargers scoop him, and then Justin Herbert will have Austin Eckler and Philip Lindsay or just something like that. Yep. Yeah, Chris Harris Jr. will be in his ear telling him how great <laughs> yeah. things are over there. <laughs> come on down. And then um the Broncos will somehow get beat by a three-headed monster all Colorado running back room of Philip Lindsay, Austin Eckler, and Kalen Balage. Oh my gosh, yeah. that would be and and then Devontae Booker the next week comes and tears him apart like he did earlier this year. <laughs> and, and then they're taking all taking handoffs from the quarterback that Elway really liked. Oh my gosh, why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> you know what? Actually, I think what is more likely for Phil if the Broncos do give him that original round tender and he doesn't come back. I, I could see the Patriots making a run at him because I could see Bill Belichick looking at Phil and saying, I'm not sure the Broncos used him right, but I have a plan for him that will maximize him. Yeah. I mean, 
we, we went over this once. All the yeah. teams that you're afraid of Philip Lindsay going to are just good football teams. You don't want him <laughs> going to good football teams because he's going to make them better. And the good football teams are going to want him, which means you should also want him. Uh, like Even like, you know, Green Bay, you're like, oh, man, that would be dangerous. Like you just go through all the good teams. You don't want him going there. Heck, you know, uh, how about Trevor Lawrence and Philip Lindsay and – James Robinson and you know like that's that's scary. So and LaVisca um, CU of Florida yeah. right there. <laughs> Let, let's just take it to another level. The Jags have a lot of cap room, and let's say the Broncos don't get something done with Justin Simmons, and then Justin Simmons goes to Jacksonville because they say we need some defensive leadership. We need on that side of the ball, and here's a kid who grew up just down the East coast uh, from us uh, about a couple of hundred miles down I-95. Let's bring him back to his home state and get 50, invest $15 million in the safety position. All of a sudden uh, the Jags are becoming an emerging team and they're a Bronco nightmare. And Oh, by the way, if the Broncos lose on Sunday, the Jaguars are on their schedule next year. <laughs> yeah, that is very, very true. Um, <laughs> um, Mace, we named off Drew Locke, Jerry Judy, uh, Justin Simmons, and I guess Melvin Gordon added. Is there anyone that you think this game really means a lot to? They have something to play for here in Week 17 other than just pride. Mm, I think somebody – you're kind of getting down the list here, but you've got somebody like Deshaun Williams who, uh, if he has another solid game, is playing to be a part of the rotation. Uh, Draymond Jones could use – a signature game at some point to solidify his place on the defensive line. So you're kind of, you're kind of getting down there. The interesting thing on some of these guys, and I would include drew lock in that is I feel like this game isn't going to move the needle on the decision. I mean, for drew lock, for example, I feel like he can't necessarily move the needle positively as far as what the Broncos do to bring in someone else around him as at least competition, I think he can only move the needle negatively and, and take a step back. I don't think he can move it up from where he is based on what he does on Sunday. And I, I agree with that com completely and kind of a guy in a similar situation, but maybe he could move the needle in a positive direction is Lloyd Cushenberry. What if he comes out and just has a terrible, terrible game. And this progress that we continue to hear about from him, from Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio, they they really want to love him. I mean, they, they just need to be swept off their feet by him uh, because they're waiting for it. But what if he comes out and has a terrible game? We found out from Vic Fangio last week that they have thought about Graham Glasgow playing center and that he's ready for that if they need to make the move in the offseason. And Vic, of course, after that said, but we really like Lloyd Cushenberry. Well, what if Cush has comes out and just has a terrible game? Is that something that may make the Broncos think about, okay, we got this Natani Muti guy. We loved him in the one game we saw. Should we make this transition with Graham? Yeah, I think that that is um... – maybe oversimplifying it a little bit. Um, but, you know, Vic Fangio always talks about how they like to step away and then go back and watch all of the tape. Um, and when you do that, I remember Mace talking about this last year with Garrett Bowles, I think. And, and he said, you know, sometimes you, you, once you step away and you watch the, the tape as a whole, you aren't as um, enamored with how things happen at the end of the season, you're more in tune with how things happen on the whole season. Now, obviously, 
progress is worth something. And, and Garrett Bowles came out and proved that that was real progress. But I think that, you know, there's an opportunity here to put on good tape uh, and the Broncos can say, okay, there's, there's really good tape for the most of the second half of the season. Um, but if you go out there and put bad tape, then that's really going to, you know, it's going to hurt all the good stuff you put in the middle and you're going to see the bad at the beginning, the bad at the end. Uh, and I, I don't think um, it should be overlooked that I think Lloyd Cushenberry's worst game of the season came against the Raiders um, just off the top of my head. So, yeah, I, I don't think he can completely just play his way out, but putting bad tape out there in week 17 uh, is not going to help his case if the Broncos are having those very serious conversations. If he goes out there and plays the way he has been playing, which is an on an upward trend, then I think they're going to say, look, you know, we invested in this guy. We got to roll with him. Yeah, because, I agree. That, that's what they want to do. They they want to fall in love with Lloyd Cushenberry, their third round pick. Uh, and so, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think I think he's your starting center next year. But that's what, you know, a terrible game could make them think about. Yeah. And yeah. I do think it's wise to have Graham Glasgow a little more cross trained at center, regardless of, of what happens in this game. Maybe you give him some snaps, but the ideal thing is Cushenberry uh, going into year two as the center. And really it's, it's gotta be something disastrous uh, for them to kind of, to move off of that point. Now, the interesting thing with bowls, when they took a step back and looked at the season, their judgment was, we're not going to bring in anybody else, but we're going to have somebody compete with him and Elijah Wilkinson. Now that competition fizzled because Elijah wasn't healthy at the start of training camp. So uh, you wonder if they watch the film of the entire year. And if he does have a lousy game on Sunday, do they say, well, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be some form of competition on the interior uh, just in general. That's, that's what I'm curious about. Right. And they also decided they didn't want to assign him to his fifth year option after watching the tape. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which how much, how much money did that end up costing them this year? Or next year, I should say. What would the fifth year option have been? Thir- to eleven million. Yeah, so I think it was. It ended up costing them right around four or five million dollars. That's pretty um, costly when you're talking about a cap that's going down and, and cap figures that are crunched. That's a that's a couple. That's almost two second round tenders right there. I was just gonna say that exactly. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about, you know, you got to save money on second round tenders, which is just kind of asinine to me. Um, then yeah, you, you, uh, could have saved that money by just picking up the fifth year option on Garrett Bowles. I still think they played it right. Um, but you know, their job is to be able to predict these type of things and they, they messed that one up. Yeah. Yeah, Now what's interesting is the, the fifth year option, it would have had him back for 11 million, a cap figure of $11 million and they couldn't have kicked that, uh, down the road. Mm -hmm. So they're actually in better shape for 2021. Because he's got a cap number of five million, but then you are you're you're kicking the can down the road a little bit because in 2022 he's got a cap number of 22 million dollars. So you better hope that revenues rebound significantly, as everyone hopes. And then also you start thinking about the the broadcast and streaming contracts for 2022 to make that number palatable. Because if things are status quo that number is going to be a little bit painful in 22. Well, there you go. It actually worked out quite well for them. Um, One last thing. 
Bradley Chubb shouldn't play, right? Like, shouldn't even be a question. Nope. Yeah, there, there's absolutely no reason. He showed you enough. Uh, he's probably too far away from 10 sacks for him to to personally push it too far. He should not play. Yeah, it's funny because when I was on uh, the the Raiders uh, the Raiders uh, radio station show uh, just just now, and one of the co-hosts is Mike Prickshirt, a former Bronco. You've got an ex-Bronco, an ex-CU buff doing a, a Raiders show, just how these things work nowadays. But <laughs> the a, a big topic was, is Bradley Chubb going to play? And, and I said, look, uh, Bradley is going to want to play, but if you're thinking about this practically – a, you don't want him to exacerbate an injury, but B, anybody who's who is questionable in any way, anyone of value, you shouldn't have him play. The players out there are going to give their maximum effort. Nobody's going to tank on that field on Sunday. But you can say, yeah, as an organization, you can say, yeah, we're going to be cautious, but in the back of your mind be thinking, you know what, this game, winning this game doesn't have any tangible benefit here. So... So why risk a guy like Bradley Chubb? Just let him sit and reset him for 21. When when they even just started practicing Bradley in training camp and, you know, were kind of trying to get him out there for week one and that, that was kind mm-hmm. of, you know, part of the narrative was like getting him back. I was just, like, I was terrified. <laughs> I, I felt like they were playing it wrong the whole way. And I was just, you know, like it, it was it was like a scary movie when you're just waiting for the scene to happen. You're like, I know it's going to happen soon. I know there's going to be something, you know, some loud spook any second. That's what I was waiting for. And so I feel like the fact that you made it through the season without Bradley Chubb uh, re-aggravating the knee injury or anything like that it is like a, you got kind of lucky. Um, and so just take your luck and run uh, and just say like, all right, we, we, we did it. He's, he's through this. And everyone says when they have, you know, an ACL injury, it wasn't until the second year after you rehabbed the injury that you really got back to who you were and, you know, and felt fully back. So just make sure that you have that next year. Well, and everyone did their job too. Everyone can congratulate themselves and just say, good job. Let's move on to next year with Bradley because he he's the pro bowler. So they successfully rehabbed him this year and there's no reason for him to play. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we are going to head over to the podcast side of things. Uh, you can catch us anywhere you listen to podcasts, DNVR Broncos podcast, of course. Thanks to everyone who tuned in on the live side. We are going to get to questions on the other side. Come hang out. All right, before we move along, we got to give a shout-out to the good folks down at Breckenridge Brewery who just keep pumping out damn good beers. Breckenridge Brewery has it all, uh, including – a little uh, winter wonderland down there at the farmhouse. You can go over there. You can ice skate for like six bucks, renting skates. Uh, they've got a little sledding hill you can take the kiddos at. Um, and, you know, a nice little warmed outdoor area where you can sip on a beer, let the kids wear themselves out. It's a nice little setup. And, of course, they've got some nice beers for you to try. Whatever your favorite beer is, Breck Brew probably makes the best version of it. Uh, so if you haven't tried to get on there, use the Breck Brew locator to find out where they're close to you and get you some Breck Brew. Ryan, you know what goes with damn good beer? What's that? Damn good beef. 
and our friends over at Hassel Cattle Company are providing that damn good beef straight to your door. Hassel Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassel Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas, and they ship all over you, the USA straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu because it's the best damn beef that every man or woman can afford. Hassel Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Frank's, two Jersey flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Mmm, that spicy one is delicious. And their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls and breeds with them uh, all over the country and win prizes when they do. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com and use promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off damn good beef over at Hassle Cattle Company. All right, let's get into the questions from the listeners. And the first one, interestingly, we already talked about. It's from Count Locula. Macy, you got this one? Yep. With number 30's future in doubt, any chance Elway gets splashy in round two and takes a top-tier running back? Love the count. Yes. Yes, there is a chance. (laughs) Yes, I think so. Now, again, I don't think we're talking first round. uh, But day two, I think it's very possible. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's like a really – splashy speed back that would kind of fill the Philip Lindsay role. Um, there's Chuba or Chuba Hubbard, uh, Oklahoma state who, you know, displays some similar characteristics. Um, but interestingly enough, the cost of a second round pick isn't that far off of the cost of a second round tender. I mean, it would be just so interesting i guess is a word you could use if the broncos move on from philip Lindsay and then use a top pick to get his replacement <laughs> but that's how these things work sometimes right that you end up investing a high draft pick in a position that your own moves insured would be a vacancy would be a need you made it into a need the other thing is speed is good but uh if the broncos look for a running back here I would think they're also looking for somebody who is uh, more stout in pass protection. Phil Lindsay, he's a willing blocker, but it, it isn't. It clearly isn't the thing that he does best. Do they go for somebody who is a little bit uh, of a bigger back, knowing that he should be able to hold up better in pass pro? That's that, that's that's the question here. Yeah, and I think it'd be more so of an every down guy, uh, not not necessarily uh, just a straight Philip Lindsay replacement. Because the difference with it, why it just wouldn't make sense to move on from Phil and then go bring in your own Phil uh, is because Phil is as cheap as he's ever going to be right now. So buy low. If you're going to buy low, it's right now on Philip Lindsay. Let's say Broncos were to let Justin Simmons walk and then draft a safety in the second round to replace him. Like you were kind of talking about uh, Mace about chasing your own moves. Well, that Mm -hmm. one would at least be saving $15 million, you know, 14, $13 million by doing that, letting Phil walk and then just drafting his replacement really would just waste Mm. you a draft pick. Very weird. Um, heck, maybe they put the, maybe they should put the second round tender on him, and then uh, if they aren't that interested in keeping him, they can add a second round pick with, uh, from Philip Lindsay rather than losing a second round pick trying to replace him. And then you use that second round pick mm-hmm. in order to draft his replacement. There you go. There you go. 
Um, asking for a friend says, so earlier you answered my friend's question and said that the missing players were worth two wins. So granted, we keep the same coaching staff. Do improvements seem to be made on the roster? Or do we count on the development of coaches and players? Well, this all comes down to uh, what we talked about yesterday. Drew Locke was not good enough this year. There's no question about that. So the question with him is, do you think he's going to be able to take significant strides and be in top 15 quarterback, a middle of the pack quarterback next year? If you think so, then this team can absolutely be in the playoffs with what they have. If you don't think so, then you need to upgrade quarterback position because it's not just Drew, but when you look at the Denver Broncos quarterback stats this year, they're pretty much all at the bottom of the league. If you want to make the playoffs, you're not going to be able to do that uh, it, it, and make the playoffs with a bottom bottom of the league quarterback. So that's what you have to ask yourself with this team moving forward is you obviously have the pieces on offense surrounding the quarterback, at least you, you're not going to make any big changes with those pieces, whether or not they are the guys or not is still to be seen a, a little bit, but you have to ask yourself about that quarterback. Will Drew make significant progress? If you think so, then you don't need to make a move. If you don't think so, well, you're not going to be in the playoffs next year if uh, if the, you get the same quarterback play. I think the question you also have to ask yourself is this. If you had uh, bottom-tier production from any other position – You'd be you'd be adding somebody to that room, right? First, yep. So why should quarterback be any different? It shouldn't. Um, they should be looking to improve the quarterback room for sure. Um, but they also, I think, are probably looking at the way that Drew's played um, since the Miami game and saying like, we're seeing progress here. We think that uh, he can be even better next year. You know, one thing that. I was reminded of, and I've been reminded of this a few times just since it happened, but um, last night as I'm watching the Alamo Bowl between CU and Texas, of course, um, their quarterback, Sam Neuer, just wasn't the same guy he was all season. And I was reminded that he suffered a shoulder injury uh, in the Utah game. And, and he just didn't look the same since that. It comes out after the game that he's probably going to have to have uh, surgery on his shoulder in the offseason. And it just reminded me that Drew Locke also took a pretty severe shoulder injury. Uh, and I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if at the end of the season, the Broncos are talking about how that really impacted him. And it took him a while to get back to a hundred percent from that. Um, and, you know, that can obviously of course open up uh, another conversation about Drew's durability as um, he's been dinged up a few times now, but I do think the Broncos are going to talk themselves into the fact that Drew Locke can improve and be better next season, but they absolutely should be trying to upgrade uh, his backup because, you know, speaking of $3 million, uh, they wasted mm. a big old chunk of $3 million on Jeff Driscoll this year. And that's why this week 17 could be huge. Can Drew show them enough progress this week for them to say, yep, we're rolling with him because we do believe he can make that next step and be a top 15 quarterback next year. Or if he really falls off the wagon, will they say, yep, we don't see it. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, I don't know. I, I want to know what they're going to say after, after the season about Drew Locke. That's like, I'm looking forward to that really as much as anything at this point, um, because, you know, again, not to compare everything to CU, but it's clearly on my mind right now. Um, after, after their, you know, game in which uh, their true freshman quarterback went in and was impressive, 
Um, he Carl Durrell was asked if there's going to be a quarterback competition next year, and he didn't say no. And so that means yes, in my opinion. You know, if he said no, you know, if Sam comes back, he's our starter, we're going to roll with him, then that would have answered that. But he danced around the question, which to me meant, okay, yeah, there is going to be a, a quarterback competition. The same thing is true for the Broncos. If John Elway in his postseason press conference says – Drew Locke is our starter moving forward. We're extremely excited about the progress he made in the second half of the season, and we really believe in him. Um, then there's that. You know, of course, drastic changes could happen, and Matt Safford can become available and change all those plans. If John Elliott says something along the lines of, it's always my job to be turning over every rock to try and improve every position on the team, and quarterback is no different, then it's time for Drew Locke to worry. Right. Exactly. That that's really the, uh, the equivalent of the right now call that coaches give. If something is happening right now, it means it's probably not going to last very long. Right. Exactly. Next one coming in from Bristol Bronco fan. Hey boys, I haven't commented in a while, but wanted to start by saying thank you for your amazing work. If the Broncos, well, thank you so much, Bristol Bronco fan. So happy you roll with us. If the Broncos lose out and the teams behind us win out, I believe that we could get to the fifth or sixth pick. If they end up picking there, would you rather go for a quarterback like Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or go for an elite talent at another position to win with Locke? Hope everyone in the community has a great new year and you as well. Well, yeah. Yeah, you as well. Great to hear from me, Bristol Bronco fan. And if they wanted one of those quarterbacks, I don't think it'd be enough to stand pat at five or six. They'd realistically have to consider trading up to two or three. Now picking at five or six means that the, the price is reasonable for, for doing so. But um, look, if they fall in love with one of those guys, I'd say do it, but I don't think they're going to fall in love with either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields enough to where they're going to, 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 to pull the trigger, especially with Elway in a contract year and Vic Fangio basically year to year at this point. So I, 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 I don't think it's something that they're going to do. I, I hate that I'm not falling in love with anyone in this draft class. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do like Zach Wilson. Um, I think he's going to be an exciting young prospect. I think that in a lot of ways, um, <laughs> the comp for him is Drew Locke. Um, <laughs> and that might be one of the reasons why I like his tape a lot, because uh, I like Drew Locke's tape a lot. Uh, or at least I like Drew Locke's traits a lot, probably more than his tape. Um, which obviously has uh, shown to be a, a bit of a problem for Drew. Um, I think that the, the ceiling for Zach Wilson is very similar to the ceiling for Drew Locke, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, yeah. And maybe all these guys know, need the to unknown... be, maybe, yeah, sorry. Maybe all these guys need with me, at least I'm giving him the Sam Howell test because Howell is almost certainly going to be in the draft in 2022. He could go high. I don't like any of these guys better than Sam Howell. I don't think it's fair to compare him to Trevor Lawrence, but I don't like any of these guys at this point better than Howell. And if that's the case, then I think I stand pat and just w- and uh, just wait. Well, and and I'm not even just talking about quarterbacks, which that's the more um, um, worrisome thing for me. Like I'm not looking at five and saying like, oh, thank God you'll be on the board when so-and-so is still there. Um, I think the top quarterbacks are going right off the top. And obviously beyond Trevor Lawrence, I'm not in love. Um, and I don't know, like obviously Penny Sewell, if you had an opportunity to get him, you'd be moving him to the right side, which would be interesting. Uh, but 
you'd love that. I mean, if you had bookends for, you know, the rest of Drew Locke's career, hopefully, uh, then that's fantastic. The only other player that I'm looking at that I'm like, this is a can't miss guy is, is Devontae Smith. And I don't think the Broncos would go down that road. Oh man, that would be something else. I'd love it. Could you imagine? They were just like, <laughs> we're doing, we're doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down on a wide receiver. Drew Locke's not going to fail this year. I can promise you that. (laughs) Or if you're having that conversation with Kyle Pitts out of Florida, you're saying we're tripling down Mm. at tight end. We're going to go Noah Fant, Alberto, Kyle Pitts, try to figure out how to cover these guys. And Cortland Sutton. Yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine? Man, that'd be something. (laughs) Kyle Pitts also falls into that category for me, I guess. Yeah. Guys that are just can't miss you put them on your team and they are going to make a difference right away um a lot of people talking about micah parsons i'm early in my evaluation of micah parsons i just have to be honest i'm not falling in love uh i think that's, that he that's where is, i am i think he's an intriguing mm-hmm. prospect um with a lot of really good traits but you know i love good watching good linebacker play uh, and I'm very prone to falling in love with watching a linebacker's tape. And I just didn't when I watched Micah Parsons, my first watch, there's still more work to be done, but usually it happens quick. Uh, and I'm not there yet. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a great NFL player. It's just my personal, I like, I haven't gotten to the guy yet where I'm like, okay, if it's not quarterback, I'm pounding the table for this guy. Well, Vic Fangio did take Roquan Smith in the top 10 but I have no idea what the next linebacker needs to be in order for him to take a first round linebacker, especially with him really liking Josie and Alexander Johnson. Yep. All right. Next one here from Casper fellas, the Broncos cornerbacks were supposed to be the strength of this team this year between injuries and suspensions. That took a turn to a weakness very quickly, depending on how the drafts go. I think it would be worth looking into drafting corners with our first two picks the same way we went receiver last year. The depth chart consisting of Callahan, Ojemudia, first-round pick, Bassey, second-round pick. Doesn't sound too bad to me. How say you? What about Bryce Callahan, the best cornerback on the team? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if, if you're going first and second-round pick, of course that's going to be a good uh, cornerback room right there. But I don't think the Broncos double down. I do think one of those picks are a cornerback, but only one of them. Yeah, and I, I could see the first-rounder, and it's funny, with the scenario mentioned at five or six, I'm thinking, okay, if you don't love one of these quarterbacks, why not trade down a few picks and then be in the, in the mindset of saying, I'm happy with either Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan II, whoever's there, I'm taking him. Ooh, love either of those guys, specifically yeah. Sertan. I'm a, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I'm a little higher on Farley than Sertan because he's a little more versatile. He can play slot. He can play even play some safety, a little more athletic than Sertan. But these are both guys who should be CB1s in this league. I, th- I think this yeah. is you can't go wrong with either of them. I feel a little more Sertan about Sertan um, <laughs> because he has that legacy on his side. <clears throat> All right. Uh, before we move on, a shout-out to WGT. DNVRGolf.com is where you can download it. Uh, once you go over to DNVRGolf.com and download the app, you're going to want to jump into the DNVR4 Country Club. All you got to do is search in the Country Club, type in DNVR4, all caps, no spaces, um, number four. And when you do that, you'll join 
the almost 1,000 members of the DNVR family who are playing uh, WGT. And when you get in there, you can play in our weekly club uh, tournaments and get entered to win prizes and grand prizes. And it's just a, a really good time. So head over to dnvrgolf.com and download the WGT app. Also, make sure to head over to our friends at Green Mountain Dental. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. They're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. And the best part is they treat you like family. Our director of sales, Lindsay, had her wisdom teeth removed over at Green Mountain Dental earlier this year. And the dentist followed up with her uh, individually a few days after to make sure she was doing all right. That is the family care that they provide over at Green Mountain Dental. And we've had several DNVR listeners switch over to, to Green Mountain Dental, and they've told us the exact same thing, just how well they were treated. And on top of that, they treat you even better because if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from them. So all you have to do is take care of your teeth to get hooked up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental, only 15 minutes away from, from Denver. So check them out and schedule that free or that cleaning x-ray <clears throat> exam to get that free Sonicare toothbrush. From Sir James Radio, he says, back in my high school coaching days, I had this very, very talented wideout that just struggled to hang on to the ball. It was perplexing to us as a staff because he would uh, stay and run routes, routes with our receiver and quarterback coaches and caught everything that came his way. He was beating himself up over this pretty hard. That's when we realized what the issue was. He was consistently thinking about having to adjust to balls thrown by our starting quarterback, who wasn't the most accurate and was very much a run-first quarterback. Whereas our quarterback coach threw, uh, threw to him, a former CSU Rams QB, he knew where the ball was going to be and where it needed to be. That's actually surprising. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I bring this up because I see the same thing going on with Judy. It's almost as if he's shocked when a clean ball comes his way from Drew, where he doesn't have to reach back for it. We saw the drops early uh, with Hamilton and Fant as well, who have both since come around for the most part as they've had more time to work with Drew. Coupled that with coming off a lefty in Tua, it's quite the culture shock. I don't mean this to be a dig at Drew, but just an assumption I had based off of previous experience. I hope everyone has a safe and happy New Year's DNVR salute. Um, I actually think there's something to this just a little bit different than the way you're looking at it. I don't think he's surprised when, when Drew throws him a great ball. I think that he is, what's the word I'm looking for? Not confident in where the ball is going to end up. Um, and, and that is part of the chemistry issue between Drew and Jerry. I think that, you know, he knows that, oh, okay, I might be having to reach back for this or I might have to, you know, leap forward. Um, and great quarterbacks obviously put it where the receiver is expecting it more often than not. With Drew and Jerry specifically, it just hasn't been that. Even the completions always feel like they're a little bit off. Um, and, and that's just a, a product of the chemistry between the two of them. It's a product of Drew's ball placement. It's a product of, of everything. Uh, between them so I do think there is something to that where Jerry just isn't confident in where the ball is coming uh, and it's causing him to think even a little bit more and he's already just thinking way too much well and on top of that it's the complete opposite of what Jerry's coming from he's coming from a fantastic connection with Tua for multiple years in a row and now this is the complete opposite so it's even more of an adjustment period yeah exactly and I think um I think it's something that can be fixed pretty easily, but also there's just that mental thing going on with Jerry. Like, you know, the long ball at the end of the game wasn't like something he had to react to where it was. Like 
you just got to go play receiver and that's a touchdown or at least a, a ball that gets you into field goal range. So uh, there's multiple things at play here, but I do think one of them is is not a lot of confidence in in the ball placement from Drew. Yeah, and that means you're thinking about it, like uh, like Sir James Radio said. And I think, unfortunately, the more you think in that situation, the le- the more bad things are going to happen. It's the old uh, cliche from uh, Bull Durham, as Crash Davis tells Newton Lush, "Don't think it can only hurt the ball club. You want him to just react and catch." and do what he's supposed to do without thinking. And that's, I think he'll get there next year. Yeah. From Garrett Bowles, he says, hey, fellas, quick flex. Me and my buddies are actually close to Bijan Robinson, who just torched the buffs. Sorry, RK. It's okay. I was expecting it. Um, some of my friends got to play with him at South Point Catholic, and all he did was dominate and set records. It's nice having a guy like him dominating and representing the hometown. That is awesome. My advice to uh, your friends that they should pass on to Bijan Robinson is come to Colorado where you'll actually get used. I admit, Zach, I didn't watch any of the the bowl game. <laughs> oh, there Did you are, Ryan. Lose me there. Yeah, yeah, we got we got you yeah. back now. Uh, anyways, I was saying that uh, Bijan Robinson should leave Texas and come to Colorado so he can be a Heisman winner because they'll actually give him the rock. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're doing, not feeding him more. Yeah, that that is crazy, man. He was so good last night. I'm sorry, Ryan. Uh, and you know who else was really good was their backup quarterback. Now, this is a tradition. Um, when backup quarterbacks have to come in against Colorado, they turn into like future Heisman winners. So congratulations <laughs> to, I think his name was like Corey Thompson or something. Um, the list of, I, I don't actually know if there was a future Heisman winner, but the list of quarterbacks who have broken out uh, against Colorado is actually like astounding. Um, <laughs> It started with Matt Stafford, in fact, um, who came in for his first time against CU, like led a game-winning touchdown drive for Georgia um, or something along those lines. Just looked awesome when he came in. Um, Kevin Hogan got his first uh, chance against the Buffs, and he ended up being pretty darn good for Stanford. Um, Khalil Tate, of course, uh, came in against the Buffs and he ended up, you know, having some good seasons. It's like every single time a backup quarterback comes in against the Buffs, they're going to have a good college career. That kid was incredible. He's better than their starter. <laughs> I'm confident in saying that that kid is going to be better than Sam Ellinger. Man, well, that would be that would be good for Texas. Yes, it would. He gave me like big time Justin Herbert vibes. Oh, so maybe the Broncos next quarterback. Is that what you're saying? Sign me up. <laughs> Anyways, he goes on and says, why the heck am I seeing mocks with fields to Denver? I'm not opposed to it, but I truly think the best thing is to bring in a vet. Tim Jenkins breakdowns of lock show. There's a great amount of improvement he's making. He even calls his shot and said, it'll be a top 10 quarterback and a pro bowler next year. Well, that may be a slight reach. There's plenty of reason for optimism with lock next year. Yeah. He called his shot, but I think he also said he'd be a top 10 quarterback and a pro bowler. If drew lock came to work with him. I don't oh, think so he, he was that. uh yeah he, he yeah he's like so i he he was kind of pitching his services a little bit <laughs> i know that he has been pitching his services a little bit but i think he is saying that he has been calling a shot on drew making a, a big leap next year i've been really interested watching the breakdowns uh from tim jenkins and he's he you know he points out the good points out the bad um kind of like with all things just like stats or rankings or anything the more information you can take in the better. So, you know, you don't want to just only watch one person's breakdowns and, and take their opinions as gospel. Um, but 
you know, you take, you take in as much as you can and, and start comparing it. But I do really like uh, his evaluations. Yeah, that I, I do as well. An important piece of the puzzle. Next one from Orange and Blue Ozzy. Helmet sticker to Coach Munchak. The offensive line is improving big time. Even Elijah Wilkinson is now solid. Cushionberry is improving too. Judy is tied with Deontay Johnson with nine drops. Drops. Lamb has eight and a group at six, including Tyree Kill, follow at six. I agree. It's in his head, but and he will be fine. Zach can confirm that he is used to Tua and Mac dropping dimes rather than having to adjust to inaccurate throws totally agree thanks santa for somehow keeping the chargers from choking away or choking another game away that was my christmas wish but we do need to lose to the raiders to get last in the division or have the chargers beat the chiefs andy rest them all if we win and the chargers lose they will get fourth in the division based on the third tiebreaker record against common opponents where we have four wins and the raiders it would be five and they have three I hate being last in the division, but we need the top 10 pick this year. And next year we play the NFC East as a bonus. Number one game this weekend, let the Raiders win. Have a trial between Driscoll and Rippon to see who the practice squad QB is. Drew's tired, winky face. Two, number two this game, or the game this weekend for our boys. New York Giants host Dallas. If Dallas wins, we move up if we lose. Game number three, Minnesota at Detroit. Lions find a way, put 11 in the box to stop Dalvin and see if Kurt can beat you. Well, they're not going to have to worry about Dalvin Cook. Unfortunately, his father passed away on Tuesday and he won't be playing in the game this weekend. So don't have to load the box there. Just see if Kurt can beat you. And number four game, New Orleans versus Carolina. Really no chance, but maybe food poisoning could hit the Saints. Yikes. Don't just don't win and lock us into pick 15. That's not the continuity we want. Well, yeah. that's the uh, that's the that's the, the truth of it there, and you know we had this conversation last week. Um, like I said, Broncos lose forty six forty five, all forty six points given up on special teams. <laughs> that would be ideal. <laughs> the other thing is also, I mean, there are two there are two more games uh, to consider as well, and it's the games with the four ten and one Bengals and the four ten and one uh, Eagles. Of course, I don't think the Bengals have much of a chance to beat the Ravens, but hey, miracles happen. And then, of course, if the Eagles upset the football team and the Broncos lose, I mean, they could go all the way to number five if all the other results come in. Yeah, you know, that's a pipe dream to get all yeah. the way up to five. But I do think you can be crossing your fingers for like eight, uh, which is significantly better than 10. Yeah, absolutely. Or why not have the pipe dream of number three? If strength of schedule gets wonky in this final week, maybe you can make the near impossible jump to three. Yeah, uh, probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Next one from Tom Mercury. Uh, if Fangio wants to focus solely on defense and stick his head in the ground when it comes to offense, then he is a defensive coordinator, not a head coach. If the Broncos don't common, win next year, that will work itself out naturally. But this is a common thing that happens around the league. Like Kyle Shanahan is an offensive coordinator. not a, like A lot of these guys do want to do that. They want to – obviously they address the team as a whole and they are the head coach from a decision-making standpoint, but they really don't want anything to do with the defense. Yeah, exactly. So that that I don't think means he's not a head coach. No, it, it, this is this is why you hire a coordinator in the first place. Now, 
Vic will tell you that he wants to have input on the offensive side of the ball. And the same thing is happening in all those different places. You know, they want to talk about the de- what they don't want to see on defense and, and how they can make things difficult. And, you know, I'd love to be in on a conversation where like Sean McVay is talking to Brandon Staley about how, you know, how he wants, how he thinks, I guess if he was calling the other team's offense, what he would not want to see on defense uh, from that team, you know, and I'd love to see them go back and forth on how to build a defensive game plan like that. But for the most part, when you hire an, a coordinator like this, that is what you're getting. You're getting a guy who doesn't want to, you know, deal too much with the other side of the football. Right. Right. Yep. It, it's true. Next one, fun one coming in from Craig L. He says, if you could have a conversation with Drew Locke this week, what would your message to him be for this game? Just be Drew Locke. Uh, you know, you know, just be yourself out there, you know, let dance, do whatever you have to do. Don't worry about what people are saying about you, wear the arm sleeve, wear the visor uh, and, and just play your game. Um, and don't think just play. I like that. My, mine would be a little different. I would say your future is on the line in this game. Don't make a mistake and see how he, see, see how he handles that pressure. Yeah, oh, that, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I'd actually tell him, look, just go have fun. And he's just not the same, you know, happy go lucky having fun with his teammates guy that we saw last year. And, and that's what I want to see from him in, in week 17 is just go out there and have fun and put the pressure on him no pressure <laughs> Zach, you are harsh man come on just you know let you know what and maybe the whole thing here is you know we're you're, you're asking drew to develop but you're also you also want drew to be drew even though you want him to be a kind of a more controlled and less mistake prone version of him, of himself. Maybe this is just the game where you say, uh, let Drew be Drew and the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think that, this is just a random thought that came to my mind. Do you think that like Zach Azani can call up Nick Saban or whoever is the wide receivers coach at Alabama this week and just say like, Hey, do you have any advice on how to best help, you know, Jerry get out of this funk? Boy, I would think that'd be more of an off-season conversation they would have. Okay, you don't think that's like a just quick call, discuss it really quickly? No. Not the week they're preparing for a playoff game. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I like the idea. I like the idea. Next one from Omaha. Hey, dudes, you have the number two overall pick in the 2021 NFL Fantasy Draft. Mahomes is off the board. Who do you take? If it's me picking, I take Josh Allen. How crazy is that? So I imagine this isn't fantasy football. I imagine this is like uh, everyone's in there. This is like you're starting everyone's franchise over from the beginning like we did in our Madden League. Right. Um, Goodness gracious. I don't know. There's a lot of good options. Josh Allen, the one thing that he just doesn't have is uh, longevity of playing at this level. But – don't get it twisted. Josh Allen is playing significantly better than Patrick Mahomes right now. Like Patrick Mahomes hasn't been good for the last three weeks. And Josh Allen has been the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, other than no, actually including Aaron Rodgers for the last three weeks. So the, the Josh Allen upside right now is out of this world. He, to me, 
it doesn't look like there's even a gap right now between what he can do and what Patrick Mahomes can do. And uh, you want to talk about another crazy name. If, if you're saying Josh Allen's a crazy name, uh, what about Justin Herbert? I mean, um, he's probably going in the top 10 for sure. Yeah. Um, probably even someone would probably take a flyer on him in the top five just because he's so young. Yeah, exactly. So young and having one of the best rookie seasons ever. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, and he looks a lot like Josh Allen. He just isn't taking the three-year path to become that, which is even more scary for the Broncos. Um, I think Josh Allen probably does go number two. Yeah, it if yeah, if you're if you're building for the long term, you're probably you're thinking Allen or maybe even Kyler Murray. If you're building for right now, you do have to think about Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson in there. Yeah, absolutely. And Deshaun Watson is part of this conversation too. Um, He has the highest passer rating in losses this year than any, than I think anyone has ever had. He's averaging over a hundred passer rating in their losses. Um, Which just shows you like, he's not the problem. Shows you how bad the Texans are. Just put him in the right situation and you're going to end up with a, with a very, very good quarterback. We talked about this the other day, like what you would trade for him if for some reason the Texans decided to move on. It's like the there's no no price too high. No, certainly not. You trade a lot of first-round picks. Yeah, but you know who has the highest passer rating in the last uh, four weeks going into this week? Who's that? Zach's boy, Zach's boy Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I mean, just tell me what happens in January when it comes to uh, A.A. Ron. All righty. The I'm other Ryan. The, the other Ryan. My boys. I haven't come in a few days as I was away at a cabin in the beautiful Wasatch Mountains with no internet and, lim- internet and limited cell service. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas. In the only may interest me and possibly Mace category, no Broncos game televised on cbs which has most of the afc games this season feature the number one or even the number two announcing team i can't remember the last time this happened with the broncos mace can you recall the last season in which the broncos did not have a single game announced by either cbs or nbc's when it had the afc contract first and second team announcer pairings is this one indication of how far the broncos have fallen in terms of being a marquee team and how snake bit they were this season have a wonderful wednesday dnv army salute yes you're right on that is a sign of how far they've fallen that that it's a clear sign uh the broadcast crew for this game by the way guys is gonna be beth moens and tiki barber which basically is the number eight crew of eight for eight CBS games this week, the H team. And you, you don't want to, you don't want to finish last in this one. Eight is not good. (laughs) Eight Uh, is eight is enough. They're making up new announcing teams just to get someone (laughs) on the Broncos game. (laughs) Um, And on top of this, guys, if the line stands, I believe the Raiders are one and a half point favorites right now, then the Broncos will be underdogs in every single game this season. They were underdogs to the Jets. Yeah, they were. (laughs) were. Oh, man, what a year. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> Has how many teams have been underdogs in every game? 
That's but what I'd like not to. even the Jets. So, uh, oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> yes. They might be the only one, especially with the whole strength of schedule thing. We know that they have the second di- most difficult strength of schedule in the NFL, or at least they did. I don't know if it shifted because of the Raiders. Um, yeah, they still do. So the Jags would be the only other one. Have the Jags been favored in a game this year? I wouldn't think so. Obviously, there's other teams in between there, but, I, you know. Well, there was one game. The- let's see. that. There was one game where they weren't an underdog because they've only been underdogs in 14 games this year. Oh, so maybe it was the Jets game. Yeah. So, look. Oh, by the way, they, yeah, yeah. They, there are there are 19 teams since 1978 that have been in the underdog in every game, according to Pro Football Reference. The Broncos are about to be the 20th if that line doesn't move any. So. I'm confused. Are were they underdogs in every game? The Broncos? Yeah. Yes, they have been. Oh, okay. Are you said are you talking about the Jags who are 14? The Jags were 14. The Broncos 15 times underdogs. And by the way, last year Miami was an underdog in every game. So if you're looking for kind of a a little bit of hope, a glimmer, <laughs> there it is. But another <laughs> another team that was an underdog in every game was the 2016 Browns and they went 0 and 16 the next year. <laughs> I don't think that's happening next year. No, I don't either. So, anyway. uh, that is, yeah. yeah, I mean, and the Broncos, you know, to go back to the original question, the Broncos don't play exciting football. It's not exciting for anyone. So they don't want to put them higher up. And like, no. they, they haven't even played an exciting game. Uh, the Jets game was exciting, but, uh, you know, like most of their games are boring. Yeah, no, it's no surprise that uh, that they have the number eight crew. It is not at all. All right, before we get out of here, one last shout out to our friends down at MSU Denver uh, who are offering the best way to get your education and work at the same time. Uh, they really are doing incredible stuff just with the way that they have it set up. They've been ready for this online style learning for a long time, and, and they were the most prepared for when it kicked in. So uh, if you're trying to work a full-time job uh, or if you just want to go to school and further your education in a safer way, MSU Denver is the place for you. Check out msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer. But for us, it's going to wrap it up on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you tomorrow.